Rugby KO, a podcast that pulls no punches. We deliver rugby insights from passionate enthusiasts from the grassroots to the global game. Players, punters, professionals and partners providing uncensored opinions on how the sport of rugby can thrive again. Welcome to Rugby KO with your host, Katrina Oxenham. Hailing from country New South Wales, Grace Hamilton was surrounded by rugby at a young age. She didn't play until much later at Sydney University and has been part of the generation of growing participation in women's rugby. In 2017, Grace was chosen to represent Australia at the International Women's Rugby Series in New Zealand and went on to play for Australia at the Women's Rugby World Cup in Ireland. Grace plays at number eight for the New South Wales Women's Build Corp Super W side and following a win in the inaugural 2018 season, was selected in the Wallaroos squad to take on New Zealand in the Bledisloe series. In 2019, Grace was named Captain of Australia for the Japan series, capping off a strong and rapid rise through the ranks. Grace Hamilton was deservedly crowned Wallaroo of the Year in 2019, bravely accepting the award three days after losing her beloved dad, John, former New South Wales country rugby president. The Wallaroos had planned to play six international tests in 2020, however have been forced to amend some plans for the current season, but are looking forward to continuing to represent their country in the sport of rugby moving forward. I talked to Grace about women's rugby, her career and leadership challenges, and the continued growth of the women's game. Grace, thank you for joining us today on Rugby KO. It's exciting to be talking about women's rugby today and it's significant growth in Australia over the last, well, over the last few years, most definitely. So you grew up in country New South Wales and you're exposed to rugby from a young age. Can you tell us about loving the game from that young age? Can you tell us about how you got into rugby in the first place? Yeah, so I think it was something I really couldn't get away from when growing up. My um, father and my brother and Every time there was sport on TV, it was always rugby union. So for us, that was just basically what we were told to love and what we did. We didn't know any better. So it was kind of ingrained in us from a young age, watch my brother play, watch my dad coach, referee play. So yeah, it was a really exciting game for me. And um, I basically knew the rules when I was a toddler. So for me, the, picking up the rules wasn't the hard thing for me. It was kind of just the actual game itself, the physicality of it. So And so now you're currently the captain of the Australian Wallaroos. Congratulations. Um, You named last year Australian Player of the Year. Can you tell us about some milestones in your rugby career leading up to where you are today, sort of from right through juniors right to now playing at the Wallaroos? Yeah, so I was heavily involved in netball and I thought me growing up, I loved every sport. And so for me, I love netball and I love doing athletics and things like that. I kind of used to just try every single sport and because I'm quite a competitive person, I try and do my best in everything that I did. And I think that's one thing that's really helped me um, over the last few years. Even though like at the start of my like rugby career, I got told that I didn't make the squad and things like that, but it kind of motivated me to be better and be better to myself. Just to kind of prove to myself and I guess, yeah, myself really. I'm like more intrinsically motivated just to be better and, and do better at what I can achieve and just see how far I can push myself. So, yeah, started at a young age. The milestones have been, there's been so many. I think that was the breaking point for me. Um, 
especially in rugby, I, when I didn't, in 2016, I didn't make the squad and um, yeah, it was hard. I think I left my job, I didn't make the team and just everything kind of fell apart in about an eight hour period. But um, as bad as it was at that time, it kind of made it all the more special getting that opportunity and then, and then that team calling me just before they left for New Zealand to me to make my debut. So for me, that was an exciting opportunity, but it's definitely, yeah, paved out my career today. And I'm so thankful for all the support for my family that it's just been, like, astronomical of how much they get around me now and how supportive they are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, exciting. So when you were young, did you start at a young age? Like, did you play with the boys, say, in country New South Wales or did you start a little bit later with your rugby No, I started really late. So for me, there wasn't really opportunities for junior girls to play out in Orange. So I didn't really touch a ball, played a bit of touch footy, things like that, but never um, contact rugby until I actually went to university. So I was 21, I guess. No, 20 when I um, first put on my rugby boots. So it wasn't that long ago, to be honest, but um, it's something once I put them on, I never turn back and never took them off it's just such a great sport to be involved in and I don't know it just brings a different level of commitment and camaraderie I think with amongst the team and so you never worried about the combative nature of the sport or the physicality I mean you possibly grew up tough in the country I imagine but do you think the physicality of it you obviously enjoy do you think it is a good sport for girls and women to play yeah I it actually is and I think that's the hardest thing I know for my mum especially I told her I was going to play rugby and over in America. And at that time she was like, no, the health insurance is too big. If you play, like you can't, Grace. But yeah, she was so scared for me. But then it's also, it was such a good opportunity for me to meet people in America as well. So yeah, and sport is the best way to meet people, make friends and things like that. And I wouldn't change that for the world. But it is, that is probably the hardest thing I think for women to see and especially mums I think they find that hard me even working at a boys school there's some mums that get terrified of their boys playing but it actually kind of is empowering like once you learn the right techniques and stuff and yeah I think there is ways you need to learn the right techniques and have the right coaching but once you learn the right techniques and you are confident in that it's just the most empowering thing to be able to do that and having like a team of like 23 fearless women running around is, is really <laughs> great feeling to have. So, yeah, I think that is probably the hardest thing, the physicality and getting probably parents and mums over that stepping stone. But for us players, yeah, it's really important life and we love it. Yeah. So you're currently the Senior Sports Administrator there at the Scots College in Sydney. You completed your Master's degree in teaching as well. Is it difficult to manage playing professional rugby and also working in those study commitments too? Look, at the stage when I was working, training full-time and doing my master's, that was probably one of the busiest times of my life. But because I was so routined in it, it made it easier. And I actually think me being busier, it was easier than me not having that. So now that I've finished all my study, it's kind of something I miss because I'm like, oh, what do I do with that other time? And then everyone's like, relax. And I'm like, oh. But, I, yeah, I miss that learning side of things. But, um, no, it is hard. And But, like, it's what you want to do and, and it's kind of an exciting opportunity for you to take. And, look, I think a lot of people would be kicking themselves if they didn't take the opportunities that we're being given now and um, a lot of girls that have paved the way for us especially. So we've just got to do them justice and try and make that do that jersey proud, I think. Yeah. 
And so this year has been a bit unusual year, obviously, with the global pandemic. There were several test matches, I believe, and a plan for 2020. What are the plans at the moment? Any of the plans sort of going forward, as far as you know, in terms of from either a domestic or international perspective, what sort of end of 2020 look like for women's rugby? Yeah, it's hard. It's a really hard one to swallow because in my calendar, I keep crossing off days of us playing the USA, the Canada, the Black Ferns, England, France. So for us to have nine test matches this year, which we were meant to have, to maybe not have any, it's pretty tough pill to swallow. And I know a lot of us are struggling in that regard. But um, yeah, we've had a lot of conversations with Australian rugby. And I think the biggest thing we're trying to do is trying to get some test matches against New Zealand. It just comes down to our government restrictions in regards to quarantining on the way home, um, which is the biggest issue we have right now. So yeah, everything else is kind of okay. We can go over to New Zealand quarantining over there in a training camp kind of facility. Yeah, it's about coming home and those quarantine restrictions for those two weeks. Yeah, so if we can get an exception, which would be awesome, that would be great. And we get to go over there and play the Black Ferns. But, hey, I don't know at the moment, so we'll we'll just keep day by day. And, obviously, I don't know too much. But, yeah, that's what I'm hopeful for. Yeah, so the discussions are still open and still progressing. You just see how it evolves over the next little while. So you just keep training as you would, just expecting to play as planned at the moment? Yeah, and then that's the hardest thing, I think, at the moment. Like you just, there's so much unknown and trying to keep that motivation amongst the group. A lot of girls we've had, like we had a really big pony squad and a lot of people dropped off just in regards to motivation and and that's something I'm really struggling with in um how to keep those girls motivated in a time like this because we're not obviously not together in the same state as well. Trying to like keep them accountable, but also like giving them an opportunity to have some time off if they need it and then trying to get that motivation back to play because obviously the best thing for us is time together and because we haven't had that, which we thought we'd have three months this year, yeah, it's hard. So there's been a little bit of a drop-off in girls' motivation, but um, hopefully that's something if we get some details in the next few weeks, that's something we can work towards. Yeah. But we're just trying to keep, yeah, the, we're just trying to keep probably the motivation into regards to we've got our World Cup next year. So if we can try and keep that in the focal point of goal setting stuff, trying to get every girl there in the right position for that as well. Mm. I just wanted to talk a little bit about you play number eight. Can you tell us a little bit about the skills required for that position and how you train accordingly like do you do extras outside of the regular training that you girls do together for specifically for playing number eight yeah well I actually started in the center so I've progressed my way in Uh, I got a bit bored (laughs) out in the back lines so yeah and I love being in the back row my kind of focal points there's little ball drills that I do outside of training and I dedicate some time just kind of general play like skills wise in regards to passing and footwork and and things like that outside of, but it's, I don't really do more than an extra like 10, 20 minutes before or after a training session. So yeah, that's something I do, but I try and get at least three or four of them in a week. Just a bit extras outside of our normal training schedule, which has been good. And so you mentioned some of the challenges with the girls, keeping them motivated while you're all dispersed around the country right now. What other sort of leadership challenges have you had or have you had any from when you were appointed captain of the Wallaroos? 
Yeah, look, I was yeah appointed and I've learned so much in such a short amount of time, especially about myself and the way I kind of go about dealing with different issues and kind of the different people you have amongst a team. Obviously, there's a lot of girls and we normally go into a squad kind of thing about 30 girls. So, and everyone's completely different. So the way people learn is probably something and the, the time it takes people to learn concepts is probably something that I've had to be really patient with. Obviously, some people need a demonstration. People need to see it. Some people can just be told it. Yeah, so that's something I've done in like the game knowledge kind of sense. There's a lot of girls in the squad who are really new to rugby and we've just got to be accepting of that. But, yeah, for me, it's trying to just not necessarily the game tactical side of thing. It's more about keeping a team together and trying to keep, yeah, as a motivated one group in this kind of same direction with the same purpose is kind of something I want to do. And I just want everyone in the group to feel like cared about. So as long as they feel cared about, I feel like it will be a good environment to be involved in. Mm. Yeah. So our Australian women's seven side won the Olympic gold in Rio. What are your thoughts on the women's sevens rugby, say compared to 15 aside that you play? Yeah, look, credit to the girls. I think it's an awesome program to be involved in and the girls that are in it. I think they've done so well for women's rugby and the uptake of women's rugby and girls rugby in Australia now is a total testament to that program. I think it's a great opportunity for them. Us, we actually were meant to, as of November 1st, go on to a kind of a contract system leading into the World Cup, which I doubt will happen anymore. Yeah, so that's a disappointing thing that for us, yeah, those girls, that program's been so good and it's only going to get better. There's so much talent coming through. I even look at some of the junior players and I'm like, God, you're better than me already and you're like <laughs> 14. It's like, yeah, you know, I just get so jealous that we didn't get to play at that young age, but... Yeah, I love the sevens and I like the crossover of girls that wanted to play 15s. I know some of them will come back into our club competition. So, yeah, it's been exciting. Mm. And so you've got some significant sort of sponsors and supporters for women's rugby, you know, at the top level of the game, which is wonderful through sponsorship, etc. Do you think the grassroots girls rugby could do with a bit more support from the governing bodies to ensure those programs are well supported and those girls like you say at 14 that are coming through you know have a clear pathway and have some good support around them so that they can aspire to be a Wallaroo like you just build that depth through the girls programs? Yeah definitely I think there's always opportunity regardless of what level it is to get that exposure and that support especially at a grassroots level I'm a huge supporter of yeah starting from the bottom up in anything you do so yeah there is opportunities around that and I think I even think that even in this time of COVID because people we went into lockdown the uptake of sport actually is has been so great since we um, came out of that lockdown so I know like junior clubs around here there's been so many teams and extra teams involved this year just because of the uptake of sport so yeah it's something I think governing bodies should put more I wish I knew how like the pathways kind of thing of that, getting the support. I know in the country they have great support around their junior programs because I guess every country person attends every event in their town anyway. (laughs) But, yeah, it's about, like, creating and solidifying a pathway for them. Then I think once you've got the pathway, then creating those opportunities through the support. And, look, you could have a tiered thing be like, look, you can support the girls in this area if they want to go to the country championships or the state championships. But, yeah, I think it's about having the right people in the right places to be able to yeah, start that program from the bottom up. 
And what would you say to encourage young girls and women to start playing rugby or continue to play rugby? Because there is a good program, good number of girls playing. They are starting to play a bit younger. But what would you say to aspiring young women and girls? 100% just give it a go. I know um, my club team now has two teams, which is the first time ever. And we're getting like 50 girls at training, which is so great great to see. Yeah. Yeah. So... For me, and there's a few girls that just, even if you don't know if you want to play, just head over to a training session and watch or that's kind of how I did. I went to watch and then I was like, oh, I want to be involved. And and there's a few girls that do that around my club and you just realise how much fun it can be and how much fun you'll have with those girls. I think you'll end up putting the boots on. But, yeah, just give everything a go and have a real crack at it and I think you'll do well. (laughs) So, Grace, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But you went through some difficult times and recently lost your beautiful dad, John, which must have been a difficult period. He was the president of country rugby in New South Wales. I had the pleasure of knowing him too. And what a great rugby man he was, spending so many years devoted to the game. Around the same time, however, you were enjoying such success with your rugby. Can you tell us about the influence of your dad in your rugby career and how special it was to play at that top level of the game and have him watch you? It actually has been a bit hard this year. I think last year was kind of my motivation was just to ensure that he got to every game. And it kind of motivated me to play. I don't know if to play better, but it gave me that extra spark. Yeah, so it's been actually tough dealing and trying to play without him. Yeah, I've been struggling a little bit around that. But look, we go to take day by day and he obviously wanted me to play. He was so proud of me playing. So I just got to try and find that little spark again. But, yeah, it's definitely been a hard road trying to get back on the field and trying to play every week. But it's something that my family's so supportive of. My mum literally drove eight hours just to watch me play my first game of club rugby the other day. So, <laughs> yeah, like I have the most support around me and his influence was huge. But, yeah, it's been, I'm not going to lie, it's been really tough. But, yeah, it's something that I'll overcome and hopefully be better for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you were young, he was the one that really sort of inspired you to get involved. Was Did you talk a lot of footy and things like that with him when you were younger? And Yeah. I remember, yeah, growing up, it was like forcibly like every station, every TV show we watched was rugby. And then if the Waratahs did country visits, we'd go and get all their signatures. And, and yeah, because it was kind of forced upon us, but it's something that we loved that my family all got involved in, which was really, really special. And then he, regardless if I would have been good at rugby or bad at rugby, he was always so supportive. He was always that person that yeah, you could chat about everything, get some advice, and then he'd be your cheerleader in the corner. He'd be in your corner all the time. So that's something that I really miss, having those chats. Not being able to talk to someone like him kind of is hard. But, um, yeah, it's been a learning experience for me. And, it, yeah, it's just it's been really hard, but that's something that happens and that's something that I've just got to find motivation elsewhere to do. But yeah, he's a massive influence. He loves rugby regardless of whose it is. He always gives you some good advice, sometimes some tough love for me, but um, (laughs) no, it definitely made me a better player. So Hmm. yeah. And so have you got other mentors as well sort of along the way or people that have sort of inspired you sort of in your career to date? Yeah, probably like players, more my kind of people, um, players that either I play with or, or people that aren't playing anymore that, that have taught me so much. They kind of, I just thrive off the people that are so passionate about the game and, and things like that. And I, especially when they leave, I want to do them proud by leaving my jersey in a better place and, and trying to make those girls proud. Whereas 
Oh yeah, I haven't really got out. Like my, besides my family, that's kind of it's kind of been the other the girls I actually play with in my team and the past girls who have put women's rugby on the page. Yeah, and so if in an ideal situation, what would you love to see happen fairly immediately with to grow the game of women's rugby in Australia, or what do you think women's rugby needs? If you had a magic wand, you could have whatever you wanted for the game (laughs) that's a tough one from every level I think from our level if we could yeah obviously have contracts and be in the same area to be able to train for longer would be great and then go back to play out in our super teams would be great leading into the world cup just to be able to yeah kind of gel and then I think at a club level just the uptake and the solidified some like kind of draws around that I know Sydney has a really good women's competition but in, I know in Queensland they're losing their club depth to rugby league and things like that because it's just that basically the the union has runs it better. So for us is trying to get yeah that dominance within the union side of things and then at, at a grassroots level and the uptake I think it's just getting those girls involved necessarily they can mix with the boys at a young age which I think is great from the minis and then yeah transferring that into statewide and club wide competitions. Yeah, even through your little provinces or states, towns, just creating, I know, uh, even a tens kind of thing, theme, seven to tens, just so you don't lose that drop off once you get to kind of a teenage age. The sevens is hard because there's obviously some girls that probably aren't set for sevens. Mm -hmm. So maybe having a tens format for those girls and probably from, from a year seven kind of age group up would be awesome. Mm. And we haven't mentioned it so far, but the Super W competition, can you talk to us a little bit about that initiative and how it's helped in terms of just providing a strong and next level competition for the women? Yeah, Super W has been great, I think, just for even getting those competitive games week in, week out. I think there is availability to have some more teams in it, but it's not even the games as such, it's having like solid training three times a week and that's just field training and then you've got all your specialised gym programs as well. So three nights a week, having that train, that availability to constant good training sessions and coaching is something that I think has been the best. Yeah, the playing is great but the coaching has like improved the skill level of girls and then I've played what for the last three years and it's gone up and up and up every year. So it's something that is important. The knowledge of girls' games goes up. Yeah, it's something that I think has been really beneficial for every girl that's been involved in it. And there's some good coaching programs as well. You've got some great coaches there within the system, have you? Yeah, I know I can't speak for every other state. I know a few of them from Queensland and things like that. But um, definitely from our New South Wales perspective, the Waratahs get behind us 100%. And they make us feel like we actually are the men's and the women's team rather than the one and the other. So, yeah, we're heavily supported by them and we've got great coaches around that. There's a big selection and then the pathway manager will come and help out or the, we'll get some extra strum coaches or things like that. So, yeah, and they're always open. I know even Rob Penny came and did our jerseys, but every time we'd come into training, he'd, like, shake our hands and ask how we are. So, yeah, just having that camaraderie between teams and the support of, like, we know super rugby coaches at that top level is so important. It makes us feel like we're important as well, which is so nice. Grace, it's great to chat today about women's rugby and it's good to catch up. You've much support here in Australia for the game and I truly hope that the women's rugby can be supported with the framework it requires to support the players at all the levels. 
and that the Wallaroos can get back out on the field, hopefully, and enjoy every success and equal support moving forward. So thank you for your time today, Grace. Thank you. It's been great. All right. Chat to you soon. Thanks, Grace. Thank you for joining us at Rugby KO. Any comments or insights, please send to Katrina at rugbyko.com. For show notes and more about all things rugby, head to our website at www.rugbyko.com. We look forward to your company for our next episode of Rugby KO.